0: This episode of the Bendy Bodies podcast is brought to you by Bauerfine Premium Braces and Supports. Bauerfine promotes mobility and activity through pain relief and improved joint control. If you don't have your pit crew, really, really important to have your list of medications, your one sheet, and then you can have your one sheet, and then you can have like your three sheet version of the one sheet. But I would always have the one sheet. Always be ready to offer more information. But start with the really super succinct version.
1: Preparing for a trip is never easy. But if you have chronic health issues like Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, mast cell activation disorder, or dysautonomia, your health issues may need their own suitcase, both emotionally and physically. How can we prepare with prudence and forethought, yet travel fearlessly? Welcome back to the Bendy Bodies podcast, bringing you state-of-the-art information to optimize your health. This is co-host Jennifer Milner, a former professional ballet and Broadway dancer who struggled for years with hypermobility-related problems. Now, I train dancers to ensure the next generation of hypermobile artists are better equipped to work to their fullest potential.
0: I am Dr. Linda Bluestein, the hypermobility MD. I started Bendy Bodies to provide accessible information about joint hypermobility. Combining my medical education and personal experiences enables me to treat and coach patients and clients to optimize their quality of life. This information is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute
1: for medical advice. Today, we've got Bendy Bodies team member, Kristen Koskinen, RDN, back with us. Kristen, hello. Hello. (laughs) And can you tell everybody who doesn't know you, can you tell them about yourself? Sure. I'm a
2: registered dietitian nutritionist. I grew up as a dancer and now I work with dancers and hypermobile people um, of whom I have hypermobile people in my family to help navigate um, this somewhat convoluted world that can be um, fun and exciting and confusing to find best results for performance and for life.
1: Excellent. And we appreciate all of that excellence that you have to offer everybody. So Kristen is going to help us tackle the topic of traveling today. Traveling with a hypermobility disorder or a chronic illness can have its own set of challenges. So we are here to give you some handy suggestions. Let's start with the time leading up to traveling. Do you guys have one or two tips as you prepare for the trip? Linda, what do you got for us? Uh, a
0: couple quick things. So I would think about time zone changes. So are you going to be, you know, going east or west a significant enough amount that you will be in a different time zone? And if possible, start thinking about possibly changing your sleep cycle a little bit so that when you get there, maybe it'll be a little bit easier for you. Also, you can start thinking about the timing of your medications beforehand. So it's easier to do these things before you have the the haste of the actual travel itself and or, you know, the exhaustion and things like that. So I would plan the timing of the medications beforehand. And, and also, uh, you know, start thinking about where you're going. Is it, is it likely to be super dry, super humid? What is the weather likely going to be?
1: That is really helpful. Just sort of planning what's coming up in your life. Like time zones is something that I don't always, I mean, I think about it like, oh no, I'm not going to be able to sleep. But other than that, I don't think about it. Preparing medications is also really great. Um, Kristen, what do you have for us? I would just
2: dovetail on what Linda said, and planning is absolutely essential. So we know people with Ehlers-Danlos come with a lot of different others, right? Whether it's MCAS, POTS any sort of neurodivergence. And so the planning can be really important. One, that helps to remove anxiety. You really can have a degree of control. and we know anxiety can flare any of those conditions. So one, let's plan. and the things that planning that go for medications can go for food, too. So if you arrive and you know you have GI issues and now you're in a time zone that's two or three hours different than your own, How's that going to relate to you and to eating, particularly if, if eating is something that can be a challenge to you at home. Um, Number two, sometimes people do better or worse in different parts of the country. So I have people who live say in Denver, clients who live in Denver, who may not do as well in Denver because of altitude or temperature, but when they travel South to someplace closer to sea level, maybe warmer, all of a sudden there was their symptoms start to back off and resolve a bit. And it actually gives them the opportunity to eat in a way that's more liberalized than they do at home. And so that's something that we can look forward to. And for clients that I work with, we use as a planned strategy to see what they tolerate when those other stressors, those environmental stressors are off their plate. I would include looking at places when you're traveling that may be more damp or humid. And if mold is an issue to simply be aware of that and you, how much control you have over that, you may not, but if you, if your symptoms start to flare, just to be able to keep in mind wise, can be helpful. So definitely plan. And looking at and and before you leave home, we need to know are you how are you traveling? Is it by by plane, train, automobile, boat? If you're traveling by plane, you're gonna have a different set of circumstances simply getting from here to there than if you're going by car. So if you're if you're traveling by plane, depending on what your circumstances are and what your limitations are and what you really need to have for food, for beverage, for supplements, all those things plan in advance, make sure that you have room in your carry-on luggage and personal luggage for the essentials. So your, your personal bag, your purse, your body bag, whatever that's going to, you you really have to have that planned out because you might have lots of things that go in there. Number two, look at getting a, um, at a card from TSA or through your your physician so that you have some pre-screening options. If you need to take specific foods to take your meds, to keep your pots under control, whatever it is, because you have MCAS and you can't eat what's on the plane because you're already gonna be, you know, maxing your physical components, check and see the rules change, right? We just know rules change as we go. So check with TSA in advance to get a medical exemption card. The end point from what I understand at this junction is that the TSA agent kind of determines what goes and what's not. There's been some recent information about peanut that are not going through or whatever because it's a gel. So know what you can get through easily. Know what may be a problem. Have everything marked very clearly. Don't have mystery white Powders going through TSA. <laughs> if you can keep things in original containers, so they're not guessing, because you you may look a little sus suspicious with your meds, your subs and all the things. People could have <laughs> dads of that. Make it make the system easy on the people you need to help you, so that things go as smoothly as possible. So plan, then plan, and have a plan B, and maybe even have a plan C, because if you have if you have all that stuff in place you're gonna minimize the anxiety when you get there. Start planning two or three weeks out if you can, because it's a it may be a lot and you may not have the, the energy spoons to do all that at once. Have other people help you with that planning too. If someone else can contact your physician or TSA, um, your airline, see what your airline will allow. A lot of times they're, they will say as you're boarding a plane, their FDA regulations, you can only have two bags. if If you qualify for a different exemption, Check with the airline, make sure you have all those things in place, print out anything you have received from someone in authority that you can have, because not everyone will know the information you have, and they have rules and guidelines that they're expected to follow. So if you deviate from those rules or guidelines, just make it as easy as you can on everybody so that you, those accommodations go through.
1: Those are really great suggestions. And, and I, I love thinking about how can you help the people you're going to be encountering further down the road so that it will go as smoothly as possible. Um, so Dr. Bluestein talking about time zone changes and Kristen talking about altitude changes. These are all things that a lot of people take for granted, but that we aren't necessarily able to take for granted. And so we do need to think through. So these are great. Thank you. I would say from from my point of view, um, I think it's really important to plan what you're going to be doing movement wise before you go. So if you're going to go to like hike the Grand Canyon, <laughs> don't start the week before you go, right? If you have these goals and these things you want to accomplish, as Kristen said, talk about, look at the altitude and look at what that's going to be, um, I have hiked the Grand Canyon. I have not hiked the whole thing, but I have seen what those altitude changes do to healthy people and knew my limitations. So from a physical point of view, if you're going to be doing something, if you want to take a walking trip of Europe, you want to start planning several months ahead of time, start building up that stamina and and look for people to help hold you accountable, people to encourage you, um, whoever you're going to be going on the trip with, maybe checking in with them and talking to them about it. If you have a personal trainer or a Pilates trainer uh, or yoga trainer that you work with, even if it's in a group class setting, speak with them and get tips from them about what to do while you're off on your own. They know your body by then. They can give you some great release moves that you might need when you're tight. They can say, hey, if you're going to be going into this different altitude, let's train your cardio a little bit differently. Talk to your doctor if you have dysautonomia like POTS and say, Are there signs and symptoms I should be aware of, things that are going to tell me, hey, I'm pushing my limit? You probably already know what those are, but in a different situation, it may not um, present itself the same way. So from a preparation point of view, for me, it's all about starting to build up that strength and endurance, planning a long time ahead of time, as much as you know, for um, being able to keep moving on your trip, but um, but not overdoing it by being physically prepared. Um, so while we are talking about all of this um as we're as we're packing we haven't gone on the trip yet um what is what is one thing that you cannot live without while you are traveling um Linda let's start with you
0: um well I'm sitting on a cushion right now so I, I always <laughs> always go with it with with a cushion but I'm always sitting one, on one in the car so I just mm-hmm. take it out so I don't have to like pack it per se but I do almost always start with my medications and supplements because mm. That takes quite a bit of time to get those organized because I have all of my regular daily medication that I have. And then I have also my, you know, as needed medication. And then I have extra baggies with extra antihistamines and extra things for immune support. And what if I have a pain flare or, you know, I have these extra things that I that I rarely ever use. Thank goodness, but I want to be prepared just in case. And I always carry these in my carry-on. It kind of drives mm-hmm. my husband crazy, but I don't want to be separated from, from my medications if I, you know, if I can possibly avoid it. Um, I also always bring at least two to five extra days of medication, depending on how far I'm going and how long I'm going to be gone, because you know you just never know if something could come up and you end up having to stay longer. Medication is supposed to be in its original package. And I'm glad Kristen brought that up. It's it's not always practical. So another option is to if you have, if you put things in baggies and containers like that, like a lot of people do, just to make it more condensed, then you know, it's it's a very reasonable thing to take pictures of every bottle of your medication and also bring a record from your pharmacy of all your prescriptions. And then the last couple of things, I always keep like a a a baggie with the most es- The absolute most essential things, like actually on my person, so in like a zipped pocket, and then Mm. you can carry like a small flexible flask, so you have a little bit of water that you can have in your jacket pocket without having to worry about a backpack or a bag.
1: Wow, that's a great tip to think about having just that little bit um, on your person. I I hadn't even thought of that, but now I'm mildly obsessed with it. Um, Kristen, what about? Oh, and you know what? Before I move on, I will say. I have traveled a bit with Dr. Bluestein, and it is true. She does have that little cushion that has a little <laughs> hand, a little handle thing. And it's so smart because you don't know what you're going to be sitting on. You might be sitting on the floor of the airport for 12 hours. So I, I have great respect for that. That's a really <laughs> great choice for your essential. Kristen, what about you? What, you? what can you not live without while traveling? I would say probably taking a... A
2: water bottle because you can get it through TSA. And so we're speaking now just air travel because that's the most mm-hmm. restricted, right? So I would say some sort of fluid container because you can do a lot with it. So one, if it's big enough and it depends, you know, you can take something very small or even I like what Linda said about having the small flask, like even like if you could have a Boda bag or something that, for, for water, for water that you could keep on you, but really if you get stuck on it the, the the concerns are the contingencies right we're planning for contingencies here that's what we're really looking at we're not looking at if everything if everything goes you know the way we want it to then we don't need to do any of this but when we're packing we're packing for contingency so I would say some sort of fluid container and then with that um, I'm going to go with the, the the supplements and snacks so, so Linda's covered medications but I'm going to say what essential supplements do you have or what what do you know absolutely is effectively medicinal for you as well as snacks things that you tolerate or that you make that make you feel good so whether it's you know and things that you can get through TSA. You can always refill the water bottle in an airport. So that will give you a degree of hydration. If you need, um, and I'm counting as supplements, like electrolyte powders and things like that, you can, you can stick those through drive and shove them in your pockets or into a purse when you're done. And don't let yourself get behind or get to an airport and realize they don't have anything I need and become frustrated or, or you, you just don't know. So having some snacks on hand can make the trip pleasant as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I feel very seen with this entire conversation. (laughs) Um, I always make my family travel with empty water bottles as we go through TSA and then we fill them up the water bottle stations, you know. Um, I am... So paranoid about being caught without water, without some hydration of any sort. And I get so thirsty and dehydrated. And I do carry my little packs of liquid IV. I have them everywhere. And my family and friends laugh at me because my backpack is filled with enough sustenance for the entire A train. Should it break down underground in New York City for like seven hours? Like <laughs> I'm always like, we have to have snacks, we have to have this. But having that nut mix, something salty and proteiny and fatty and you know sweet having that having protein bars or whatever it is that I love to travel with i don't stress about going to the airport and worrying that there's nothing at the airport that i can eat so that's a really that's a really great thing to think about and to not feel bad about and we also when we go on family vacations like half of one suitcase is filled with snacks. We pre-buy the, the protein bars and the applesauce squeezers and all of that and fly with it so that when we fly home, there's room for our souvenirs. Which
2: <laughs> yeah. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> That's and I think clever. you really nailed it. Jen, when you said you're not stressed, that kind of psycho-emotional stress can can flare things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, totally take what you need, plan for contingency. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I want to travel I want to travel with Jen in her vending situation
1: <laughs> exactly yes I have all the snacks all the foods um the other thing that I cannot live without when I travel is um a couple of release balls so I travel with my lacrosse ball um I travel with uh, a smaller squishy ball like an Eric, Eric Franklin sorry Eric Franklin ball or um a Yamuna ball or a yoga rollout ball right so something softer as well and I will always have at least those two things to release my feet, to release my calves, to release my glutes, anything that starts to get tight on me when my sciatic nerve starts to feel pinched. So I always travel, even if I put them in a carry-on and it's just an overnight thing, I will travel with a couple of those. If I'm on a flight for a long period of time, I will stick one of those release balls underneath my leg and let it start digging into my um, hamstring to try to keep all of that from tightening up. So cannot live without my snacks, my water bottle. (laughs) And a uh, and a little release ball or two. Um, so we're going to turn to travel itself. What are some of the ways to combat the effects of traveling? Sort of the swelling, the joints, the headaches, and so on. Kristen, I'm going to start with you this time.
2: Well, you know, a lot of people, whether they're hypermobile or not, suffer with the effects of traveling. So GI issues can be a big one, including are you you know getting constipated is huge. Mm-hmm. So so looking at those things, one if you as much as you can acclimate. Again, going back to that planning, if you can acclimate before you get to a different time zone, that will be helpful to making sure you're drinking as much water as possible and keeping those electrolytes in can be very helpful for all of the above plan for some discomfort, right? That's going to ha- That happens across the board and then be ready and, and, and dial into your thing. So again, constipation is when I get so often. Are there things, or do you have foods that are safe for you with regard to fiber to make sure you're getting, keeping the fiber up when you're traveling and you don't have access to those, you know, fresh foods or foods that you normally eat at home. It may be a little bit more challenging, but if you keep it in mind, you can do that. So we can go through, and even when you get to your destination, what are some easy to to grab things that you could have or things you could pack with you to keep things going? So, and, and these won't work for everyone, right? Like foods are very particular. So if I say something and you're like, oh my gosh, but so much histamine. I get it. I get it. But things that are easy and that you could have, and that you could actually travel through TSA with would include kiwi, um, dried fruits, like raisins, prunes, things like that. And those electrolytes, because people who get behind on their electrolytes, we will also see have slower motility. So those would be three things I'd look at.
1: Mm, I love that. Um, Linda, what about you? What can, what can we do to sort of combat the whole travel stuff.
0: <laughs> so so uh, I agree that air travel is the more complicated because you have to go through all TSA and all those extra things compared to car travel. So I'm going to make a few comments that are specific to air travel. Uh, my son tried for the longest time to get me to buy a spinner suitcase and I resisted, I resisted. And oh my gosh, once I finally got one, I thought, why did I torture my shoulders for all those years <laughs> oh with a God. regular pull Be I had to I had to pull my husband's the other day for a short time and I tried pushing it in front of me and that didn't work anyway. Um, so for me, the spinner suitcase is huge. Um, we already talked obviously about hydration, but especially when you're up in the air you're getting dehydrated so much more than when you are at sea level so so extra extra water and electrolytes hugely important um even even if everything's gone smoothly you know compared to most people they can get away with kind of forgetting to really drink a lot on the plane and of course they don't really offer you a lot of liquids anymore but make sure that you yes the water bottle staying hydrated you know mid-flight and then also I think whenever possible, taking a nonstop flight is helpful because then it, if you don't have to worry about the connecting flight and, you know, having to this race to get from one gate to the other, cause your first flight was delayed. So whenever possible, take a nonstop flight. I have TSA pre-check and I think it is absolutely essential. Then you don't have to take off your shoes. Um, every mm-hmm. once in a while, if I'm in a situation where they're like, oh no, we don't do pre-check here. And you're going to have to take off your shoes. Like, you may not have to walk with my shoes off for the, you know, just because I, I normally have some kind of padding on my shoes. So, definitely TSA pre check is helpful. You can leave on a lightweight jacket. You don't have to take as much. You don't have to take out your computer, for example. It's just a lot easier. I would also say don't be afraid to pre board um, because a lot of times I know people are like, oh, I, you know, they feel awkward about the accommodations, whether it be reserving a wheelchair ahead of time or, you know, uh the pre-boarding thing. And definitely, as Kristen mentioned about bringing a note from your doctor, I would bring extra copies of a note from your doctor. And and they don't have the right to have a lot of information. So don't be afraid to just say it's medically necessary. And if they start asking you a bunch of questions, you can show them the letter and you can say, you can contact my doctor. And I'm thinking, particularly if you're like standing in line at TSA and you can't stand for hours like like that. You know, you can't stand for an hour. You can't even stand for 30 minutes. Um, You know, it is a good idea to kind of sway, do calf raises, squeeze your butt, those kind of things to try to keep the blood flowing. But sometimes there's not a lot of space. So it's kind of hard to move around. Um, I also would research the airlines. They're, they're very different in terms of how much padding they have on the seats. There are certain airlines that I will not fly no matter what, because their seats are like, it's, I. I don't know what they do but they're so incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable. I don't know if it's the padding or the incline, the amount of space in between, but but I usually go with, you know, the more major airlines just because I I've found a couple that I tried that were were so uncomfortable. So so I I am picky about that and try to research that as much as I can. I try to move around as much as I can during the flight, you know, get up and and move whenever possible. And also last, um, last two things, packing lots of layers, I think can be very, very helpful. So you can be peeling things on and off as you are changing temperature, even if around you, the temperature isn't changing. Mm -hmm. And And then lastly, having a flare plan written out ahead of time so that if you're in on the plane and something happens and you're starting to feel more pain or something, you can look and go, Oh, that's right. Because what when you're in the flare, you you don't really think about
1: these things. So you have to have the flare plan ahead of time. Um, what about uh, compression socks? If it's not something that you normally use, is it worth investing in and trying on when when you're definitely? Flying? And I had those under like the my devices section,
0: but I'm glad that you brought that up because that is especially important for for um, air travel. Yes, I am a big fan of compression socks. And, uh, you know, whether you're traveling or not, I think they're a very helpful thing for people that are somewhere on the dysautonomia spectrum. And, you know, you can get all the way from prescription grade compression stockings that go all the way up to your waist that are 30 to 40 millimeters of mercury. And you feel like you're squeezing, you know, toothpaste back into the tube. And I mean, it's hard to get those on, right. But they're very effective. I mean, they really help to increase the venous return and and help improve cerebral blood flow, you know, blood flow to your brain. But very few people can get those on. I can't get those on because of my hands. Mm -hmm. I have so many problems with my hands. I can't get them on. So lighter compression is still beneficial, but the more surface area that surface area that you can cover, the more effective they are and the higher compression, the more effective they are.
1: Great, awesome, and we will hopefully um, hear a little bit more about that coming up. But um, that's something that I had wondered about too. Um, I know for for me, when traveling, um, as you as you both have said, moving around is really key. And um, when I'm on the airplane. Um, some people like to take their shoes off. Some people don't like to take their shoes off because their feet swell and it's hard to put the shoes back on. Mm -hmm. So there has to be some thought into that. But if you are in a type of footwear to, I I wear comfortable shoes and then take my shoes off and put on big fuzzy socks, um, and then switch back when I land. But I like to periodically do the alphabet with my feet and just Mm -hmm. write the letters of the alphabet to keep them moving in a full range of motion, keep that blood flowing. It definitely helps me. And um, when I stand up and use the restroom, not if, but when I stand up and use the restroom, um, I try to do some fascial gliding. Um, if even if it's just my neck and trying to release my neck while I'm standing there, or through my arms, or uh, through my lower back and my hamstrings, I try to do whatever I can without, you know, invading other people's space, um, because everything does start to tighten up. And part of 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 trying to watch, uh, trying to combat the effects of travel for me is my hydration levels leading up to it because, you know, you don't want to be getting up every half an hour while you're on the plane. Um, But I try to make sure that I have hydrated myself as much as possible so that when I land, I'm as, little dehydrated as possible. Try to sort of put some in the bank, I guess, is the best way to say it. Um, And then start drinking as soon as I land again. Um, But anything I could do with that. And then as soon as I uh, land and get to wherever it is I'm going, I like to take my shoes off and do really easy doming and foot exercises and bare feet on the floor. And if I can, I like to lie on my back with my feet up the wall and just Mm. give myself a little bit of a a rest there and do some, uh, some vagal breath and recenter my body from going many, many miles up in the air and then all the way back down again. <laughs> so we've landed, we've gotten where we are. We're hopefully in in pretty good shape. Um, Kristen, do you have like maybe three top tips for finding food that you can actually eat while you're on vacation?
2: Yes. Number one plan, scout in <laughs> advance. And so find where you're, if, if you're, if you're staying in a hotel, Find out where you're staying, what's nearby. So, and then look, you can look at menus online. You can do all kinds of things. You can call restaurants in advance and ask about accommodations. And, and usually you can get a pretty good feel if they're like, oh yeah, we do this all the time. Certain cities will be better at that than others. If you are on one of the coasts, chances are that's going to be easier to find than other places. The West and East coast tend to have a lot of establishments that are accustomed to making modifications. Then have a plan B. If those places fall through for any reason, because things happen, the chef got sick, the restaurants closed on a Monday and you didn't anticipate that, or they're closed on an off day, have a plan B. Then have a plan C where you've got your snacks or whatever, and look for grocery stores or places that are familiar to you. There are major retailers that are, you can find a lot of times across the country, even if it's not your primary retailer, find a box store that you could go to and, and get stuff. If if you're in a real pinch that you could go. So you're going to find a Walmart in a lot of places or a target, find local grocery stores, see what you have in advance and, and avoid the frustration. If you're staying in a hotel, call ahead and see, find out if they have a mini fridge, that's not a standard for every room, find a mini fridge and put things in that you, that you can have. Um, on hand. If they, if you need a microwave, check with those things too. Again, if you've traveled with food, that, that might be helpful. Um, if you're staying with friends or family, that they probably will be, that would be an easy accommodation more likely because they can, you know, help you with those things in, in advance. Um, but really it's that, it's that pre-search and plan that things are going to, things can, or will go wrong on at least two levels. If they don't, awesome but if they do you're you're not stressed out you're not frustrated and people a lot of people just don't know or understand and we're and we're getting there which is why you know we have conversations like this but um just don't do that and I think the third thing is if you're traveling with other people and something just feels like it's too many spoons for you to go out or to sit or to wait that long for food. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to kind of have a, a, a reasonable expectation. Everyone has a reasonable expectation of, of where you're going to be. So it's like if you're staying back on a particular evening, because maybe you have a big day the next day, and it's more important for you to show up the next day for the Grand Canyon hike or whatever it is, but that's okay. And that's just how you're going to navigate the trip and, um, and you're ready.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's such great advice is to give yourself some grace to and not feel like you have to go to every restaurant and experience every, you know, we we do associate uh, food as a big part of our vacation, giving ourselves permission to eat things we wouldn't normally eat, experience amazing new restaurants, have the bonding time with friends and family over the meal. You know, there's a very social aspect to it as well. So having emotional permission to not uh, do that every night and to just, you know. Eat whatever it is that you picked up at Walmart that day, and know that it's going to be okay, and have that special meal with family and friends the next day or something. That's that's really great that you um, that that you brought that up. Can I just push a little bit further and say anything about going way outside your comfort zone, like traveling abroad and not knowing there's there's not a Walmart? Ben, traveling abroad is
2: interesting and it can be beneficial. So we know it's going to be harder getting there from the U.S. to you know, wherever abroad is, well, unless abroad is Mexico or Canada and you live in the North or South, but a lot of times the food, the food quality and preparation in other locations can be different enough that people tolerate it. For example, mm. gluten. If you go to Europe, a lot of people who do not tolerate, and, and I'm not speaking about celiac disease, but if they just don't tolerate gluten or they just generally don't feel good on gluten or when they have gluten in the U S they go to Italy they can eat the pasta, they can eat the cheese, they can do all these things and their bodies feel good. It's not just that they can get away with it, but they actually feel good. And it speaks to the, the food production in the US where we produce for mass as opposed to meals being really special we, they and and the quality of the food. Um, again, if you're going places, you'll find things, they're gonna be things that are similar, right? Um you may need to, I would suggest in that, in those situations, if you're going abroad, learn enough of the language that you can, that you can communicate your food needs. It sounds mm. like a really big, um, plus, you know, or add on. However, if, if your needs are to that degree, um, figure it out. If you have, sometimes, again, you can call ahead depending on what, what you're going abroad for and, and see if there's a point of contact where you can call the hotel and say, is there a market nearby? When you go to those markets, you're gonna find familiar foods. It may not be packaged the
1: same way, but you'll find food that you recognize. Mm. So, so don't travel out of, you know, don't don't travel with a spirit of fear when you're traveling abroad, no. right? It's yeah. okay. And it's okay. and and you may you may go to that market in Marrakesh and see these amazing you know, stalls of produce and be like, wow, this is great. Right. So yeah,
2: that's awesome.
1: And if you do have limitations at home, like for example, if if histamine foods from histamine
2: tend to not be your friend, then, you know, maybe talk to someone, get a list of things that may or may not be okay for you and stick with things that feel more familiar.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's, that's okay too. And that's okay. And you can enjoy all the other things. Exactly. Um, so uh, Dr. Blusine, I'm going to turn to you and say, what advice do you have for um, traveling without your pit crew, without that, that group of support that, that you sort of come to rely on your massage therapist, your doctor that you can call at a moment's notice, you know, that sort of thing.
0: So I think uh, this is an important time too, to bring up that a lot of people are traveling for doctor's appointments. So I have people that fly to come see me and, you know, they have to stay in a hotel and they're, you know, the they're sick enough that they're coming to see me usually. So they, they also have a lot of additional challenges when they're, when they're traveling and they're traveling for this purpose. So um, definitely whether you're traveling for a doctor's appointment or something much more fun, like going on a hike, um, I think it is a good idea to bring um, your one sheet of medical problems. And all the time when I tell people about the one sheet, they say, Oh, I couldn't possibly fit everything on the one sheet. And it's like, That's the point. The point is that the one sheet contains the most critical pieces of information that somebody needs if they were to take care of you. And so for example, you might have on there a section with, with your, with your medications and you can even, you know, kind of group them if it's, you know, I mean, I, some people have incredibly long lists, but you can just say antihistamines, for example, if it's, if it's, Really, really hard to fit everything on the one one sheet. If you're on TPN, for example, and you've got, you know, I mean, you've got just tons and tons of surgeries that you've had. You can you can um, condense that, and you can say three cervical spine fusions. And you know, when the person wants more information, they'll ask for more information. But right there in that one line, you've given a lot of information rather than you know trying to write it all out. So the whole idea for the one sheet is is what, are, if when you have only one sheet, what are the critical things that you're gonna put on that one sheet? So you're gonna put your allergies, your medications, and again, those could be in like like different boxes in different areas you're going to put your most significant medical problems. So for example, you know, my basal cell cancers are going out. They're not on the one sheet, (laughs) you know, that kind of (laughs) thing is absolutely not going to make it onto the one sheet. My, my knee scope, nope, not going to make it onto the one sheet, you know? So it's, it's the most crucial things that, uh, that you want your healthcare team to know about. And another thing I thought about when Kristen was talking about, um, you know, perishable foods and then going to the grocery store and some of these different things, I was, I totally forgot that when I was traveling for work towards the end of my anesthesia career, I would have so much pain at the end of the day, oftentimes that I would like lay on an ice pack or something. And my hotel rooms had refrigerators, but not freezers. And they would routinely keep freezer packs in their freezer for me. Now I was also going back to the same hotel multiple times. So I don't know if other hotels would do that, but if you're traveling for a doctor's appointment and this is, and you normally do use ice as one of your tools for a pain flare, you could even call ahead and say, if I bring one of my, you know, soft ice packs, would you be able to put that in your freezer? Alternatively, I would bring those, you know, ice bags. They're very old fashioned. They have like the screw top on top. And, and then it's just like a collapsible bag that you can fill. And I would just put a few ice cubes in there. And that way you could ice a, a given area it doesn't get as cold as those other ice packs but at least it's something that you know you can pretty much anywhere get ice in fact i did it multiple times on a plane because i was having so much pain from from different things so i would have have them fill the ice bag for me on a plane um so those are a couple of things that that i would do if you if you don't have your pit crew really, really important to have your your um, your list of medications. You can have your, your one sheet and then you can have your one sheet and then you can have like your three sheet version of the one sheet, but I would always have the one sheet. You can have, mm-hmm. always be ready to offer more information, but start with the really super succinct version.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. And um, thank you for breaking down sort of how to make that medical one sheet because it can be really overwhelming for people mm-hmm. trying to figure out what to put on that one piece of paper, right? Uh, And I will say from personal experience, having traveled a lot as a dancer, one of our favorite hacks to make an ice pack is to get like a quart Ziploc, put some water in it. Don't really fill it with water, but put some water in it and then put a little tiny bit of vodka or rubbing alcohol in there, just a tiny bit. And then you can freeze it and it won't freeze like a hard block. It'll freeze mm-hmm. a little softier and slushier and then put another zip block, maybe like a gallon size over that. And they make, those make really good portable, um, ice packs as well. So that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> and,
0: and I do help people oftentimes make their one sheet in one-on-one appointments. Mm-hmm. So we will go through and figure out, cause again, I have the full spectrum from, you know, I'm still dancing professionally, and just want some help with a few tweaks here and there to, I'm pretty much spending all day in bed and have, you know, this, you know, exhaustive list. And, and maybe they're not in an area where I can actually take, take care of them and have them as a patient, but I can help them organize their information so that they can get better care from their local providers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really great. Um, and it's nice to have someone else help you do that. Right. Right. Yeah. To be able to have someone else say no, I can help you with that. Um, that and that's one of the things that that I will do with my clients as well in helping them prepare is putting together um, a list of exercises or something that, that they need to do. So if I'm trying to help my clients get ready for a trip and they're trying to figure out how do we stay moving and how do we do all of that um, without their usual classes and trainers and, and their pit crew, that's one of the biggest things that we will do. Uh, first of all, I'll say. If you're comfortable in a group class, what props do you need to bring? Like what extra stuff? I always encourage my clients to have um, like a yoga block to help prop them if they need it, to give them a little bit of proprioception. Um, And my favorite travel item is one of those small, soft Um, like eight or nine inch exercise ball, like a Pilates ball, um, because you can completely deflate it. You can inflate Mm. it really easily and you can blow it up just a little bit, put it under your sacrum to give your sacrum a really nice rest. But you can also take it with you to group classes and use that in your group classes for a little bit of propping or proprioception. Um, If it's someone that I work with regularly, we'll put together a travel um, exercise routine that's 20 or 30 minutes. uh, And they'll just use like a couple of the small round TheraBands, you know, grab those and throw them in their bag, throw in that that small smooshy ball, and it takes like zero room, but they'll have 20 to 30 minutes to be able to work out the kinks and tweaks and things that they need to do if they need to get their, their glutes firing because they have that unstable SI joint. They've got the exercises that they can do ahead of time. So I encourage you to talk to someone uh, and try to get that. Or you know, if you don't work regularly with someone, put the routine together for yourself before you go so that when you're there, you're not, oh, what should I be doing? I have so many exercises I could do. Have your exercises prepared ahead of time so you can get up and do it. I love I'm not a yoga trainer at all, but I have a really nice yoga sequence that I like to go through on vacation because it feels good. It makes me all stretchy and loose and ready for hiking or whatever it is that we're going to be doing that day. So I like having those few little things that I need. Um, If you're going to try out new classes, if you're going to an all-inclusive resort or the hotel offers them downstairs and you want to do it. Just know yourself and know whether or not you have um, the ability to modify as needed, or you're a people pleaser that's going to do whatever they tell you to do. So, know yourself before you step in there and make sure that you um, understand what is about to happen. And then um, give yourself permission to rest, right? Allow yourself to have rest days. Don't feel like I'm in Italy and I'm wasting it in my hotel room. It's okay. Lie in your hotel room and lie in your magnesium bath salts and enjoy the day and eat some gelato when you get out. Like whatever you want to do, you don't have to be pounding the pavement every single time um, that you are out there. So those are my tips for making sure that you can kind of survive while you're out there without your pit crew. And don't be afraid to reach back out to them. I have people reach out to me while they're traveling all the time and say, oh, this is hurting. And we'll do a 10 minute. Well, here's where you put your lacrosse ball to help release that. And then they're on their way again. So don't, don't worry about reaching out to people.
0: I think I need to book a session before my next trip to to get that
1: full 20 to 30 minute program with you. That's right. To get your little metaphorical one sheet of exercises. It's so helpful. And and I think that's one of the themes that's come up today from all three of us is plan ahead. You Mm -hmm. know, Kristen talks about planning ahead with your food and and eating and researching and have a plan A, a plan B and a plan C. And, And I think that's what we're all saying is plan ahead. It takes away that anxiety, which is Kristen inside can cause cause flares. Uh, it removes as many, um, moving pieces as possible. And it makes us feel prepared and ready so that we can go out and be spontaneous and have, let's plan for our spontaneity. Okay. Everybody (laughs) plan for that spontaneity, (laughs) (laughs) but planning will just take away some of that travel, um, stress and the, the wear and tear that can be on your body. All right. So last words of wisdom. Okay. Uh, one or two of your best travel tips go, uh, Dr. Boosty. Okay. So for
0: me, I'm always thinking cost benefit analysis. What does um, a given prop like that I might be bringing? So like the ice bag or braces or KT tape, or, um, you know, my, my, I have a collapsible reacher. I use a reacher at home to pick things up off the floor. I have a collapsible (laughs) version of that. I have different ergonomic tools. Um, So with everything, every single item that I am considering bringing, I'm debating, I'm thinking, okay, what does it weigh? How big is it? Like, I'm so glad you pointed out that that eight to nine inch ball can, can collapse and then reinflate. Cause that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how big is it? Um, what's the potential for need? And that's always based on, well, what, what's been happening with me lately? Cause my needs, man, have they changed dramatically over time? And then the last part of that is, well, what's the risk if I don't have it? So I actually did forget my cushion on one of my trips once. And I was in such a panic and I tried, and I was like, okay, you, you forgot it you can't be anxious. You just have to, I was anxious, but I was just trying to mitigate you know, my anxiety um, because I knew that that would just make it worse. So, you know, what are the risks if you don't have the thing and, and then factor all that into consideration when you're deciding what things to bring, because I could fill an entire suitcase with all of the mm-hmm. different paraphernalia, you know, that, that I have, but hopefully I won't need most of it. So also the, the last part of that, that I would say is what's the chances that you could buy it if you had to. So if it's something that's been custom fitted for you, it's not that big, you might need it and you can't replace it, then maybe throw it in your bag. But if it's something that's, you know, over the counter that you could just buy at Walgreens, you know, like I'm thinking of my, my wrist supports that I have, um, you know, Maybe I leave that at home because if I, if I really get in a pension, I really need it. I could go buy another one. So mm-hmm. those are the kind of the things that I think of when I'm thinking about like devices in particular. And um, for me, it's, I plan first, you know, kind of my medications and devices and those things. And then I figure out how much room is left for clothes <laughs> <laughs> and it's usually not very much. So if you see me wearing the same things or at least the same pants every day, there's a reason, <laughs> you know, and I, 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 it's for me at this point in my life, it's all about comfort and, and um, I'm not the fashion part is, you know, I, I've tried to look nice and be clean, but other than that, you know,
1: it's, it's uh you have to be practical. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the cost benefit analysis is brilliant And a great thing to use as you're looking at your empty suitcase and trying to figure out what you can, what you can fill it up with. Um, And honestly, you know, the Parthenon or the Grand Canyon or the nation's capital, whatever it is, they won't care if you're wearing the same shorts you wore the day before. So I, I, I think that's great. Kristen, what about you? My,
2: my recommendations really mirror Linda's number one plan, then plan again for contingencies and then prepare to the best of your abilities and recognize, you know, part of the adventure, maybe misadventure. So we'll think, do you have, do you have some ways to maybe undo any misadventures as part of your planning? So if that's antihistamines or specific supplements you use or anything along those lines Um, and, and the packing, I'd say exactly the same thing Linda was saying is start with the things that are going to be essential for your, your comfort and what taking care of your body and yourself and then the clothes can like really make sure you have comfortable shoes. No mm-hmm. one can this when you're traveling. I mean, unless you're traveling like for a wedding where you're going to be around your family and things like that, and the apparel is very important. If the apparel is that important, ship it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Get the wedding mm-hmm. clothes there because heels take up a lot of space. I don't know who's, you know, if you if you're in the capacity where you can heels, ship things ahead of time so that you have the things that you need on your person or above or below your seat with you and, and, and just manage the traveling first. Like let's take care of that and then we'll take care of the stuff when we get there. And again, some of it, it's, It doesn't matter. It's being there. It's being in the experience. Your, your travel mates really don't care if you wear, you know, black things or find things that can be hand-washed or what find out if there's a a laundry service where you're staying. Like we just don't need to pack that many, the clothes and shoes have, have a spare, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. what you need. Buy stuff Mm -hmm. when you get there, dress like a local, um, and really make room for the food, make room for the, the things that you need for your health and well being. worry about the rest later.
1: Mm-hmm. that's fantastic yeah wear um, layers
2: on the plane and then you've taken care of about 90 percent of it <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right you can wear 90 percent of your travel wardrobe on yeah. the plane and then just you know push it under the seat or sit on top of it if you get hot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I would say uh my my top tips uh I love the um the idea of the cost benefit analysis and I like to apply that while I'm traveling too um is the cost of hiking the Grand Canyon worth it you know to, to the best of my ability Absolutely. Is the cost of standing around at something I don't really care about or walking through uh, a mall that I don't really care about worth it? No. So weighing those things just for me, right? Weighing those things out and deciding which ones I want to do and which ones I do not want to do. Um, And going along with that, along with managing what I do and when I do it is also managing expectations. So Hopefully, you're not traveling with anyone that you cannot be honest with about what you can and cannot do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so have a conversation with those people and say, girlfriends weekend at the winery. I am all in. Probably not going to match y'all drink for drink. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But I want to be there and I want to hear the funny jokes and I want to be part of it. I may go to bed early. I may sleep later. Uh, And just being able to manage expectations, going to a cousin's wedding and saying, I want to be here for your big day. I might not make the, the, The bridal shower and the girls' night out and the rehearsal dinner. You know, I may have to cut some of those things short. Manage expectations ahead of time so that you don't feel like you're letting people down in the midst of it. And then, from a purely practical point of view, plan your shoes wisely. Um, It is not the time to be looking for the cute footwear and the flip flops and the sandals that are super flat you know get those really great um sneakers and have arch supports in them they will change your life if you are walking around rome or walking around the black hills of north dakota wherever it is you want something comfortable and supportive as you're walking around so that's where i kind of draw the line i'm like mm, don't care so much what i look like for my for my teenage daughters who love their flat chucks and and Keds and those sorts of things. I just buy drugstore arch supports for each pair of shoes because they will not take them out and change them. So we have arch supports in each pair of shoes that they're going to wear. And I strongly encourage you to find shoes that make you feel good and make you feel supported and strong um, and as comfortable as possible. You will enjoy the trip exponentially. I promise. Um, all right, I think that's all from us. If you guys have other questions, we would love to hear it um, because a lot of people have talked about how difficult it is to travel with these things. So, if you have additional questions about travel, throw it in the comments or reach out to reach out to us on social media. And speaking of social media, where can people find us, Kristen? Where can they find you?
2: They can find me on Instagram at kristen k r i s t i n underscore koskinen underscore r d n, and I'm guessing that'll be in the show notes. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) or at my website,
2: www.eatwellpros.com.
1: Excellent. And Dr. Blustein, what about you?
2: Either at my website,
0: www.hypermobilitymd.com, or I am on a lot of different platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest. I think those are the main ones at hypermobilitymd.
1: Excellent. And of course, you can find all of us on uh, social media at Bendy underscore bodies or www.bendybodies.org. And you can find me at on uh, Instagram at Jennifer period Milner, or my website, Jennifer hyphen milner.com. So thank you so much, uh, team bendy bodies, Dr. Linda Bluestein and Kristen Koskinen for, um, hanging out today. I am Jennifer Milner and from all of us at bendy bodies. Thank y'all so much for listening. If you
0: found this helpful, follow the bendy bodies podcast to avoid missing future episodes. Please leave a review and share the podcast. So more people know about bendy bodies and joint hypermobility screenshot this episode tagging us in your story so we can connect. Our website is www.bendybodies.org and follow us on Instagram at bendy underscore bodies. We love seeing your posts and stories. So please tag us using hashtag bendybuddy. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The information shared is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please refer to your local qualified health practitioner for any medical concerns. We'll catch you next time on the Bendy Bodies podcast. This episode of the Bendy Bodies podcast was brought to you by Bauerfein Premium Braces and Supports, designed to provide joint stability and pain relief.